0: What is going on everybody? Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. That's right, we are back again on the Sports Card Show podcast. I just want to thank you all for joining me today uh, on the show. And it's really, you know, the show, I know you uh, tune into the show as as, as often as you can, and I certainly appreciate it. And I just want to let you know that you are as big a part of the show as I am, even though you uh, listen to this either on Stitcher or iTunes or Google or on the website, however you decide to access it, even though you access it and you, you're listening to my voice, I just want you to know uh, that you're a part of this. So if you're out there driving in your Subaru or your AMG Mercedes or you're on a walk or a run or you're you're just sitting around sorting cards, just want to let you know uh, how much I appreciate you tuning in and uh, this show is really more for you guys and more about you uh, than it is myself. So I just want to thank you all for tuning in on today's show. Some topics I'm, I'm tr- going to try not to, you know, I have a tendency to ramble on and, and, and move on to side tangents. Going to try to stay focused on today's show, run down a couple different things. Uh, That have been on my mind, and uh, you know we'll move move along in our day, and I'll I'll help you get through uh, whatever part of the day you happen to be listening to this. Talk about something that we don't really talk about uh, often on this show, but some of the new releases have gotten people fairly excited. Obviously, baseball season just starts, and uh, as baseball season kind of rolls along, even when you get into like tops chrome and bowman series two update by then you've had a lot of different sets and and it's not quite as exciting um even though those sets tend to be uh, very well collected and there's some nice cards in those you know it's really exciting when baseball season starts to roll around i'm i'm super pumped for baseball season uh you got series one that has come out got heritage uh that just recently came out and I think we've got Inception maybe this week or so. If you're listening to this as it's as the show is being produced here, but in basketball we've also had Optic and Select, and basketball has just been on fire for really two years in a row. Basketball has been red hot. Uh, if it, you know, if it was hot last year, it's uh, you know it's like a a smoldering, or it's like a a roaring, a forest fire with Zion Williamson. I think Trey Young and Luca, pretty much, uh, you know, it's like a nice little bonfire going out, Uh, you know, drinking beers with some buddies. Well, Zion and John Morant uh, are really, you know, like a forest fire because I saw the other day, like Zion's base Prism card is like a $200 card, which is, you know, incredible. So we'll talk about, just very briefly about all that. Talk about, you know, I've seen, you know, one of our main topics today, we'll talk about Gary Vee and people are complaining about how he's driving up the price on, on certain cards and things like that by bringing awareness. And it's not just him. Uh, there's other examples probably of that happening in the hobby. Well, you know, we'll talk about just really briefly, you know, well, maybe, maybe it's time to just be a seller. Maybe, you know, if prices is too high, you know, it's kind of like, a uh, home buy, you know, if homes become too expensive and you've got like six of them, you know, maybe it's not time to buy anymore. Maybe it's time to sell one or two of them. Uh, I don't know if that's a great example, but uh, certainly would have came in handy around 2006 and uh, early 2007. Talk about pack searching. Saw so There was like a video that someone posted how they, uh, they like confronted a guy and they were like arguing with him in Walmart. Um, you know, and I'll talk about, I'll just talk, you know, briefly about that. You know, do you want to get in a verbal altercation with somebody? Like, is that a smart thing to do over a $2.99 pack of baseball cards? Uh, you know, I'll talk about that. And very briefly, the NFL draft. Obviously, I'm really excited about the NFL draft. My team has the number one pick. They're probably going to get a quarterback. I watched... I don't know, probably six or seven of the LSU games, including the last two that they had in the college football playoffs. And I, you know, I was always looking at Joe Burrow with kind of like a critical eye. Like, is this guy really that good? And I don't know. It looked he looked pretty darn good when I saw him. I know he went to, I think he originally went to Ohio State and didn't play, and actually transferred to LSU. And LSU uh, under, I think it was Les Miles tended to run the ball a lot more and run, a like, I-formation like uh, when they had, like, Leonard Fournette. They'd run a lot of I-formation and, like, single wide receiver kind of stuff. Uh, well, they, you know, they started spreading it out. Les Miles, I think, went to, I can't remember what college he's coaching at now, uh, a little bit smaller school um, and doing quite well. Um, but they switched at LSU to more of like spread offense. And uh so I I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what happens. But um I think they had the draft combine here this last week or so. So we'll talk about that just briefly. And finally, our main topic we'll talk about my boy. <laughs> and I say that uh pretty much joking. I've I've never I may have conversed a, a few times on, on social media with Gary V, but he's not somebody that um I don't watch a lot of his video. I tell you what, when I watch his videos on YouTube, because they come up in my suggested videos on on YouTube. I, I I consume a fair amount of YouTube. I've cut back recently, but I have you know I've got two kids now, so they're 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 pretty entertaining in their own right. But, um, you know, at night when I got a quiet moment and stuff, I, I I watch, you know, I've been known to watch some YouTube videos. What I like about Gary Vee's YouTube videos is just the production quality. And so I tend to watch them uh, when I'm watching them. I'm watching them from that aspect. It's like, oh, look at that graphic. Look how they... Look how they're doing transitions between scenes and topics and things like that. And uh, it certainly inspires me to want to make more YouTube videos, something I wanted to do in 2020. I'm certainly not making every moment count in uh, 2020 when it comes to YouTube videos, but maybe I'll uh, be able to squeeze some more time uh, into that in the future, we'll see what happens, but we'll talk about Gary Vee. There's people uh, out there, some of you might be listening, that uh, d- don't like that he's promoting the hobby, don't like that he buys a couple uh, Ronald Lacuna cards or Giannis cards or uh, Cody Bellinger cards, and then all of a sudden uh, says that he's buying them or whatever. And then three, four, five weeks later, the cards doubled in value. You have a problem with that. I'm going to I tried to debunk as many Gary V myths as I possibly can. If you're a Gary Vee lover, then you'll probably agree with what I say. If you don't like Gary Vee, don't like what he's doing, I encourage you still to listen because I might be able to change your mind. And that's not really what I'm here uh, to do. If I don't change your mind, that's fine. But I think uh, you know, as a society, I think there, and I probably fall guilty of this too. I think we tend to only listen or only pay attention to things we agree with. And I can think of like politics as as one of the prime examples of that. You know, if you're a Republican, you might only listen to Trump and Republicans. If you're a Democrat, you might only listen to uh, like. Speaker Nancy Pelosi and and Chuck Schumer and Democrats um, and maybe Biden and Sanders. So but I actually like um, I actually like listening to to views that not necessarily that I don't agree with, but maybe that I don't hear very often. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll flip on MSNBC. So I was watching the last couple of debates uh, with the Democrats and stuff and just listening to um, what they say. And so the same thing can happen in training cards. If you if you don't, don't like Gary V, don't think what he's doing is good for the hobby or right for the hobby or something he should be doing. We'll talk about that as well. Let's jump right into it. So we got Heritage Baseball out this week. It's definitely a product. I think I got allocated two boxes of it. I think my cost on it was somewhere in the $60 range. I saw today that I could wholesale them out for about $70, which is a little bit more than last year's. I think 2019 Heritage, he would probably only be able to wholesale those out for maybe $50 or $60. So I don't know if my guess is production is probably um, in the same range, maybe slightly, probably slightly up for Heritage Baseball. Maybe some of the content is a little bit better. Uh, maybe some of the rookies in there are better, or the short prints, or whatever it is. But I did notice the price ticked up a little bit just in the last week or so uh, on those. And so it is a one autograph or memorabilia. It's definitely not if you're like looking for hits. It's definitely a product I would avoid unless you're just going after the singles. If you're... In general, I think Heritage is probably better for single hunters Anyways, They make a lot of it. There's a lot of it out there. Uh, Personally, I would just wait. And this goes for all the sets I'm going to talk about. Hit the pause button. I don't mind if you look at the cards and, and get on social media and talk about the cards and get on Panini's blog and read about the cards or or wherever you get your information about the cards, I'm a forum or whatever it is, Facebook. I don't mind that. I, in fact, if that, that helps you a little bit, um, I, I don't mind that. But what I would do is avoid all this. There's going to be tons of supply of this. Coming forward, we've actually seen it like prison basketball is two months old, which in this hobby is, is almost like a year old now. Um, and I know Zions are selling for 200, and the unopened boxes are probably hundreds and hundreds of dollars at this point, uh, for Prism basketball. But they made a ton of it, and it's being opened. It's you know, and people, somebody that pays 300, 400, however much dollars a box that stuff goes for, well these guys are going to need to sell their cards. Uh, we're seeing slower, that's a topic we could throw in here, is check on my cards, raise their fees, and they kind of extended out some of their processing times, really for demand purposes, and I got to hand it to them, you know, instead of waiting until there's this huge backlog, and like, we've got it PSA and BGS, I mean, PSA and BGS have had backlogs for what, two years now, uh, for their services, and one way they could have stopped that, or counteracted a little bit, is actually raising Raising price because if you have a backlog obviously demand is exceeding capacity so one way to slow that down is actually to raise price and so we actually saw check out my cards do that far more intelligent and maybe nimble company than both beckett and psa probably combined and so i saw them raise their fees that's telling me there's tons of demand tons and tons of demand uh for for submissions over at check out my cards what does that mean there's going to be a lot and lot, a lot of supply coming online over at Check On My Cards and obviously eBay and wherever else you buy your cards over the next, I mean, I would guess 12 to 16 months at least, uh, while we're kind of in this red hot uh, era that we're that we're seeing fueled by Zion fueled by if you step back a little bit fueled by Otani I know we might have some new listeners and if you're a new listener or a new collector or just getting back into the hobby after maybe a break I certainly appreciate you tuning into the show right now Um, but what a lot I think a lot of guys think this is something new this is something uh, unseen before in the hobby it absolutely is not Okay, now maybe some of the dollar figures are, but you know, we've had inflation over the last uh, 20 years or so. You know, $100 today is not nearly what it was uh, in the year 2000 and, uh, you know, down the line. Uh, we've seen this in the hobby many times from Ichiro Suzuki to Albert Pulhos to Steven Strasberg to Ken Griffey Jr. to LeBron James. Uh, you know, th- we've seen phenoms come into the hobby and their cards sell for exponentially more than previous rookie cards or even established stars in the game. It's really not that extraordinary what we're seeing right now. I think what is interesting is that you know, we've had back to maybe back to back to back kind of NBA rookie classes and it, it's it's gotten better and better and better okay you had like Lonzo and Tatum and Donovan Mitchell and then it went to Luca and Trey Young and now we've got Zion and Morant uh, it's it's gotten better and better and better I think football's kind of flatlined a little bit um or in some cases it takes a year because if you look at Mahomes you look at uh Lamar Jackson it wasn't until their second year I believe that they put up MVP season so maybe that's true for um I can't even remember his name uh Kyler Murray or maybe Daniel Jones or maybe some other players that were that were drafted um in this last draft football seems to a flatline baseball has also continued to step up in terms of interest in terms of uh, collectability and things like that if you just remember back maybe in the Bryce Harbour or Steven Strasburg area or even a little bit before that what like base Bowman Chrome rookie cards would sell for Eat the stars, the biggest stars or the stars would barely be worth a dollar or two. Now we're seeing guys that I, I was looking through my port and check out my cards. I mean, I got guys that are like not even in the top 50 prospects of Major League Baseball and their cards are worth like four or five dollars. It's like a baseball and chrome, let alone the refractor or some of the, the rare parallels. So it is a great time to be in this hobby now if you are just buying cards if all you're doing is is trying to acquire these cards um i would hit the pause button i wouldn't i certainly would not be chasing series one heritage optic prism Uh, just wait wait until a, a, a lot of supply comes on the market how do you judge that Um, eBay, I think it's a little bit harder. Check out my cards is a little bit easier. You can just monitor a card, just write it down once a week, every Monday, go on there. See how many, you know, maybe you're looking for uh, a Zion Williamson, Uh, you know, see how many are on there for sale. And you know, if there's 10, uh, one week and then there's 12 and then there's 15 and there's 18 and 20, well, you know, that, at some point, uh, you know, supply and demand is going to start leveling out, and it might give you a better idea what price uh, that card is going to settle on. Uh, if, if you can't control yourself, maybe take a step down a little bit instead of trying to collect. Hey, if you have the budget for it, and you, if, you, if you have the money, you know, I got no problem with you buying $100 cards, $200 cards. It's certainly not something that I do, but, um, you know, maybe take a step down, Take a step back. You know, I've actually noticed uh, Lonzo Ball. I still had quite a few Lonzo Ball cards sitting in my check out my cards account. His prism is worth close to ten dollars now. I remember buying those all day for about a dollar, a dollar and a quarter. In fact, I did buy. Them all day for about a dollar and a quarter. Now I sold sold out of uh, quite a few of them in the three to four to five dollar range. I I only have maybe a dozen or so left uh, as we get to this ten dollar range. But you know you're at you're at quite a bit of profit at that point. So, um, you know, dip back, dip dip back a a couple years. I noticed Tatum cards have really sold very well. I had some sitting again in my check out my cards account. Uh, I've got a lot of cards that just kind of sit there and then I go back through every once in a while and look and it's like these Tatum cards that I got for a dollar are now worth, you know, 10, 15, 20 dollars in some cases. So uh, things can things can go up. Uh, personally, uh, this is a seller's market, okay? This is a seller's market. Will it be how long will it last? Uh I you know, you got me. I don't know. I I would have never predicted uh you know, a home crash, It you know, and it may not ever crash. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, people are always talking about, oh, the next stock market crash. And I know with the coronavirus and all that, the stock market's kind of gyrated a little bit. But I looked at my portfolio and I was down maybe six or 7% year to date. That's nothing. I mean, that's you know, if I had, sure, if I had bought in January, bought the whole portfolio in January and I was down six or seven in, percent in eight weeks, I might be a little bummed out about it. But it's like, you know, who cares when over the last, really, since Trump was elected, the market's up close to 100 percent. So who cares if you lose lose a little bit at this point? So obviously, if you're just getting into it, and and, and this kind of goes into what we'll talk about with Gary Vee, I've noticed a lot of people that are complaining about him are, are Often, guys, just getting into it, just getting back into it. I feel like these guys don't have enough cards. They want more cards, um, and, and maybe they want to be a seller, but they haven't uh, gotten to the point where where they've been able to build up a portfolio, so to speak. Um, and certainly th- that, that that can be true in the stock market, or w- w- maybe a, if you're trying to build a real estate portfolio or whatever. So I can totally understand the the, the situation you're in, but um, this is a seller's market. Okay especially when, when we're talking about year of or maybe even one-year-old, two-year-old releases, this is a seller's market, okay? And I know cards are going up and, and things like that, um, but usually in, that, in those cases, I, w- I would say uh, it, it is a seller's market and, and it's, it, it, it's a market that definitely benefits sellers. So if you're a guy that sits out there and you just want cardboard boxes full of cards and you want to sit around and organize them and put them in top loaders and sort them and organize them and do all that. Well, you know, you might have to pick your spots a little bit more at this time. You might not be able to jump right into a heritage, uh, you know, buying heritage singles or optic singles, or, you know, certainly if you're collecting basketball right now, your budget is completely out of whack. So, um, you know, if you're in this hobby, for the long term, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really worry about it, honestly. I, w- I wouldn't really worry about it. You know, it's like the person that, uh, you know, just learns how to play golf. So they never played golf before. They get a set of clubs, and they get the golf bug, and they get out there, and they start playing, and they want to turn from a ninety shooter to a seventy shooter, like, in two months. It's just not going to happen. Enjoy the ride, Okay. Just enjoy yourself in the hobby. When it's hot like this, maybe you don't do as much buying. Maybe you do a little bit more selling. Maybe you just do a little bit more observation, okay? It's certainly something I do all the time. Not necessarily in the trading card world, although I was on, was on Check on My Cards today, looking at, looking at cards, looking at prices, looking at trends and things like that. But it's certainly, things, certainly something I do when I pick up another hobby, So, whether it's like competitive shooting or golf or anything that I do, buying nice watches and things like that, I do a lot of looky loo, a lot of watching, a lot of looking, a lot of shop, like window shopping, so to speak. And then when the time comes, then you start making, when your budget is there, when the money is there, you start making purchases and things like that. Would I love to go out tomorrow and buy the Rolex watch I've had my eye on for three years? Absolutely. I would love to do that. Okay. Do I have (laughs) $30,000? Absolutely not. Okay. I got two kids. One of them is in preschool and the other one, uh, you know, just started eating real food. So, um, yeah, I don't have that kind of money right now. But do I enjoy window shopping? Absolutely. I think you can apply the same thing to cards. You know, do you have $200 that you can drop on a Zion Prism? Maybe not. But maybe wait until the summertime. Okay, we'll have the NFL draft. Baseball season will be going on. NT basketball, flawless basketball, noir basketball, all this basketball crap is going to come out and I'm not saying that prism is going to go from 200 down to a $90 card, but you know, as we get more Zion uh, supply on the market, Optic kind of fills supplies, uh there'll be other sets that'll come out. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So I wouldn't be in a rush right now i think that's the key thing don't be in a rush enjoy the journey okay sure would it be fun to go from a 90 shooter to a 70 shooter in golf in a summertime do people can people do that sure but is, is is it something that's easily attainable no just enjoy yourself just enjoy the hobby if you can't afford some of the cards they've kind of outpaced you in terms of supply and demand wait until the market corrects a little bit. It will, trust me, it will. Or focus on the other aspects, other areas of the hobby that are not quite as red hot as some of this current stuff. That's that's probably my, I was on, check on my cards today buying 1960s and 70s basketball. Okay, it's something I've, I've done quite a bit. And then I saw Gary V like pumping it three times in tweets today. So, uh, you know, you better believe I'm on there trying to front run. Uh, the demand that he creates. So we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, Pack searching. So I know there's a lot of discussion about this. I'm just going to give you kind of my quick takes. Obviously, it's not something I want to encourage. It's not something that... uh, it's it's an unfortunate aspect of retail products and things like that kind of the loose packs uh also what you see at the retail level is guys resealing so they'll buy a box carefully kind of cut the shrink wrap off and open the packs maybe replace them with some other cards and or just pull the hits out or whatever they want to do and then they reseal it and return it uh so you just got to be careful when you're buying this stuff at target and walmart um but one thing i would not do and I think it's a a fairly poor idea to do, is confront somebody that is pack searching. Can you take a picture of them and, 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 you know, slyly take a picture of them and post it on social media? Yeah, I guess I don't got a problem with that, but I saw a video the other other day. The guy was like, there was like two Walmart employees in between them, and they're like, they're getting in each other's faces and arguing. Uh, That's not something I would do over at two dollar pack of cards okay first of all i think even in that argument they were like oh those are for kids those are for kids if i buy my kid a two dollar and 99 cent pack at target and he opens it up and is like dad the cards are bent and i didn't get a hit that would be the last pack of cards he ever got in his life that i would buy i have never ever ever heard a kid Get a $2.99 pack of cards, open it up, and complain about the corners being slightly bent or the hit not being in the pack. Only grown adult card fondlers care about that kind of stuff. And if you care about it enough to get in an argument and quite possibly a physical altercation with somebody... I just don't think that is worth it. I really don't. As someone that has been granted my license to carry a firearm wherever I go, right on my hip, getting into altercations with somebody that can potentially escalate to physical confrontation is a bad, bad, bad idea. Very bad idea. And I encourage you all to exhibit some kind of control and some kind of self-restraint in those situations. It is a very, very poor idea to get in a verbal altercation, which could escalate. You do not know how it can escalate. It is a very, very bad idea. Idea to get in a verbal altercation with somebody over a $3 pack of cards that if a kid bought would not care if it'd been searched, would not care if there's not a hit in there, would not care if some of the cards have a little bent bent mark on them. Kids don't care about that stuff, guys. And if you care about getting really pristine cards and getting hits out of packs, Hello, hello, Amber Alert, Amber Alert, stop buying packs at Target and Walmart. Guys, it's not 19.99 anymore. You can get on the fucking internet and buy packs and buy boxes and buy, God, you can get somebody else to open your packs these days on webcam. There's no reason for you to be going to Target and Walmart to buy packs. It's a 299 pack of cards. That's what it is. Would you get any verbal altercation with somebody over a 299 roll of toilet paper? Or cookies or bag of chips or a T-shirt? If you say yes, you're an absolute fucking moron, period. So, is pack searching bad? Should we try to discourage it? Should we try to uh, avoid places and, and situations where maybe we have to buy those packs? Absolutely. Do you need to get in verbal altercations with people? Oh my God, that is stupid. If you have a family, I mean, if you're a single guy and no one gives a damn about you and you live by yourself, do whatever the hell you want. But there's absolutely no way. As a father and as a husband, and as someone who provides for my family, I would get in a verbal altercation. Oh, it could be $299. It could be $2,099. Guys, it's not worth it. We're talking about a $3 pack of cards that if a kid opened, he would not care. He or she would not care what was inside. And if he did, I would slap him. Moving on. The NFL draft, baby, coming up on it. Um, very excited. We'll see how deep it is. I've looked just briefly at some of the, um, you know, I know a lot of people pay attention to Todd McShay and, and some of the other ones. There's some, there's actually, I think it's Walter football is, is actually better I mean, in terms of kind of really analyzing these guys. We'll see what happens. Maybe there's some trades on draft day. Maybe there's some teams that move up. Maybe there's some interesting things that happen. My guess, though, just off the top of uh, just kind of briefly kind of studying this draft, I actually think it's going to be similar to last year where we had, um, we obviously had the top pick as a quarterback with Murray, and then Daniel Jones went shortly after that. The Redskins picked uh, Dwayne Haskins. And uh, I believe the Broncos slipped in either in the first round or in the second round, got uh, their quarterback as well. Uh, Locke, I think, is his name. So there was a couple quarterbacks picked last year, but none of them really drove uh, NFL football Panini product, really. Um, The other thing, the problem with Panini is they paid a ton of money for that NFL license. They, They basically... Uh, matched what Tops was doing at the time, and and ba- you know, so they were basically paying twice as much as what they were singular. Uh, you know, when Tops and Panini had a license, Panini basically just said, and I'm p- kind of paraphrasing here, basically just came in there and say, we'll we'll pay what Tops is paying as well for an exclusive." Um, so they they basically doubled what they were paying, and so I I don't know how much value really comes out of a lot of football boxes unless you have a a really, really compelling rookie QB. Now, as we've seen, Mahomes' cards, I mean, he just won the Super Bowl. He's MVP. Um, so his cards justifiably have, have gone up and are worth a lot. Lamar Jackson, the same thing kind of happened to him. He only played in a handful of games uh, towards uh, a handful of games might be stretching it. He actually played in, I think, maybe half the season his rookie year, including I think he played a little bit in the playoff game. Um, but then he got full reign of the team in his second year and won MVP and, and had a great season, looked really good. So that thi- that can happen as well. But I think if we look to the year before, yet Baker Mayfield uh, is stumbling, uh, not nearly as collectible as he was. Um, Sam Darnold has had struggles with the Jets. Josh Rosen is, is probably, you know, another bad season from basically being out of the game. Um, and I think he had Lamar Jackson there at the, the end. So you had, you know, four or five QBs, and there was another one, I think, thrown in there too. There are four or five. I think the Bills had, Bills had a quarterback as well. I can't recall. It. Josh Allen maybe. So, you know, with football, I think it's especially important just to sleep. Just to go to sleep for a year. Am I get, you know As a Bengals fan, you might be wondering, am I going to be out there trying to buy Joe Burrow cards? Absolutely not. Am I going to try to buy into group breaks with the Bengals? Absolutely not. And if Joe Burrow has a great season and is MVP and takes the Bengals to the Super Bowl, I am not going to sit around and be like, oh man, I wish I had one of his cards. I'm just going to be happy with, uh, the performance on the field. Now, if he looks good and his cards are, uh, on fire, uh, you know, I'll wait, I'll wait until probably this time next year to maybe start thinking about, uh, picking one up or two, but he's certainly not going to be, um, he's not going to be like undercovered. He's not going to take anybody for a surprise with his play. In fact, the expectations will probably be relatively high for him. Um, so we'll see what happens but i I you know, until I really study the draft, I would honestly anticipate it being about the same as the last couple years in football, really last, like last year in particular. I would also anticipate uh, NBA, I think we've got Mellow Ball and a couple other picks, but I don't think we've we don't have ai I know for a fact, we don't have a Zion Williamson coming out uh, this year now, as we've seen. You don't necessarily need that to really drive basketball. You might have a foreign player like Luca, maybe take the league by storm. Uh, You know, Trey Young was, was very noticeable in in college, but uh, certainly wasn't like the top, top pick in the NBA draft. So and it also depends on where these guys go. I think Colin Sexton was the number one pick in that draft. He's actually, if you look at his stats, he's probably undervalued and underrated when you compare him to Young and Luca. but he's playing in Cleveland and nobody cares about the Cavs uh, since LeBron left. So it all kind of depends on uh, where you end up. We'll see what happens. Obviously, if like LaMelo Ball ends up with the Knicks or on the... The Lakers, I guess. I don't think the Lakers are going to take another another shot at a ball boy. But, um, you know, it depends on where he ends up. It depends on, depends on what happens. And obviously it depends on what happens on the court as well. Uh, personally, I'm waiting, uh, you know, obviously for a supply to come online with the NBA. But you have the Summer League, which is now covered on NBA TV and ESPN. And, um, you know, I don't expect Williamson or Morant or any of those type of caliber rookies to appear there, but there'll be a lot of these second-tier guys that uh, people are essentially overlooking and probably will be trying to donk off their cards so they can buy a spot into NT or, or buy a Joe Burrow or something, and I think there'll be some opportunity there. Uh, and that's about it on those topics. Let's jump right in to our main topic. My boy, Gary Vee, has been tweeting and talking about the hobby every it seems like it's like accelerating like this dude would fire off a tweet about sports cards like once a week then it was like twice a week now it's like every every you know 30 minutes this guy is tweeting about the hobby this guy has caught uh you know he hasn't caught the coronavirus but he's caught the sports card virus this guy is 100% infected with cards and he i see you know just evidence of him Buying cards and having a lot of fun with it. Now, first thing about Gary Vee is there's an extreme amount of jealousy within the hobby of people like that. People that can afford to buy uh, you know, as much cards in a month as a lot of these guys make in a year. That's gonna bring a lot of jealousy. I certainly know this as well. You guys know I'm not, uh, uh, you know, I'm not scared to flex. Just like if you pull a nice Zion, or if you pull a Jeter autograph, or you pull, a, a, you know, a really, you hit a really nice car and a break card and a break. What's the first thing you do when you do that? You probably post it on social media. Back in the day, you might have posted on the forum. You might do both. Or if you get your BGS submission back and you get a pristine. 10 on a really nice card, what are you going to do? You're probably going to show that off online, show that off to your friends. And for the most part, most people in this hobby take that pretty well. For some reason, when Gary Vee does that, it rubs the people the wrong way. Let me tell you what also rubs people the wrong way. If you show a nice car or a nice watch online, guys literally start flipping out. So that's where we are in this hobby where you can show off a picture of a man, and it, it puts people on tilt. Show a nice watch and a nice car, and it puts guys on full-blown tilt. I mean, I have guys on my Facebook page. We're like, we li- my brother and I literally post a photo and just post something daily on there just to kind of troll, troll the trolls, basically. We have a group of maybe 10, 20, maybe even 30 of them that just cannot stand stand it that we don't worship a 19-year-old baseball player or a 25-year-old football player and the cards that they appear on. So first part of Gary Vee is I think there's a lot of jealousy there's a lot of people that are jealous of his followers. I think a lot of people look at followers and likes, and that uh, there's been a lot of studies on this in terms of uh you know legitimate scientists and things like that, like getting likes and getting followers like it releases endorphins in your brain, and it makes you feel good and so people get addicted to that, and I think there I think that's one of the reasons why instagram. Like hid the number of likes on your post. I think it used to like show the number of likes. Well, now I don't think it shows it to the public because people would get jealous. And that's exactly uh, the first thing that's going on with Gary Vee. that people are jealous. And if you have a if you're jealous of somebody else buying cards, you're jealous of what somebody else has. I would just encourage you to be yourself, enjoy life. If you're here in the United States, you were born in the best country there is in the world. You could have been born in some other s-hole country, as our president would say. You could have easily been born there. You're here in the United States. You're blessed. Things can't be that bad. There's probably worse things happening to other people, uh, you know, than some other guy getting the card you want and getting likes and, and, and retweets on some social media platform that not very many people use. Unless we're talking about Facebook. So I wouldn't worry about it. Don't worry about it. A common complaint about Gary Vee is that he has too much influence, too much power. And I really don't, I don't see it that way. Think about all the collectors out there, all the collectors you run into, all the collectors you won't run into. Go to the National and go around and say, and, and have a, have a uh, clipboard with paper. Go around to collectors and ask them, does Gary V influence what you buy? Yes or no? And I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna guess right now that it's probably nine to one. Gary V. Does, it's probably nine to one that he doesn't influence. It might be even like five or six to one. People don't even know who you're talking about. So not to say that Gary V. doesn't have influence or maybe too much, but let's get real, guys. Think about all the collectors out there. He really only touches a small amount of them. Now, you might be concerned because Gary Vee's attracting kind of a new audience to trading cards. And some of these people may have never traded, bought trading cards before or may have only bought sneakers or bought uh, flip things at garage sales or um, might be young and never collected cards at all and by Gary Vee tweeting that he's buying Cody Bellinger or Ronald Kuna or Jason Tatum or whoever it is, that it's influencing these guys to buy cards where they don't really know much about them. And for that, I would say, you're not these guys' mom. You're not their dad. Why do we need to stop people from buying a picture of a man? Gary Vee's not telling them to go buy some marijuana and try it. He's not telling them to go buy some LSD and give it a shot. We're talking about a picture of a man. And it's only your perception and your, it's, it's only your perception that the card is overvalued. Maybe Gary Vee has identified a market that is undervalued. And by him alerting people, to the cards to buy them. Maybe it's actually a good deal. I don't know many card pricing experts out there, certainly on Twitter. Most of these guys don't know what this product costs at a wholesale level. Most people are have their head down and either are collecting what's on the shelf at Target or collecting their favorite team or player. There are very, very, very few people that I know and that I've run into in this hobby, that have their finger on the pulse of every card price and the value and the perceived value and the potential value of trading cards. Most people have no clue. So if Gary Vee's telling somebody and influencing somebody that may or may not know much about cards to go buy a card, who who are you to say that card is overvalued or that is not a good price to pay? How do you know? I mo- I try to monitor price on cards. I'm often shocked. I'll have 40 Lonzo Ball cards in my account that aren't priced or all of a sudden will start selling and I'm like, holy crap. I just noticed that the other day. I had, I had maybe a dozen Lonzo Ball Prism cards left. I priced them really high. I think $899, $999. This is when they were probably selling for 5 or $6. And so I was like, ah, I'm just going to come in here. I don't really care if these sell. Uh, I'm just going to price them high. And then I logged in my account and like four or five of them sold. And I was like, holy crap. They, they had gotten they got to that price. Okay, this is a card I own. And a player that I follow, and I didn't even know what his card was selling for. Not to mention, a lot of you guys that are new to the hobby are just getting back into it. This was like Beckett's role all through the 80s and 90s and and early 2000s. Beckett would put out hot and cold lists. And do features on players. And what they did was somewhat controversial, I think, or or grew... Not necessarily controversial, but definitely drew a lot of discussion and criticism at the time. Was they started rating players by star and semi-star and common. And kind of just lumping players into a group. And so, like, that's basically Beckett, like, influencing the price. And kind of influencing... What cards are worth money and, and going to get hot in the hobby and which cards aren't. And so what Gary Vee is doing now on social media is simply just a new age 2020 version of what Beckett used to do. And now that magazines are essentially obsolete, he's really just filling that void. And instead of being jealous of that, Instead of criticizing that, maybe there's a market there, guys. Maybe if Beckett's values are all behind a paywall, maybe if it's tough to go to eBay and search sold and kind of sort through that, God, that would take 20 minutes a card sometimes. Hello, hello, Amber Alert, Amber Alert. Maybe a sports card price guide would make some money. I'll let the smart guys uh, figure out that. To be honest with you, the smart people in the hobby have already figured that out. And don't be surprised if those people wear nice watches and drive nice cars. But we'll leave that at that. But do we need to stop these people? Like, is it our job uh, as people that are in this hobby? Do I need to stop somebody from paying $200 for a Zion? Do I need to stop somebody from paying uh, you know, $100 for uh, a Gavin Lux card? I don't know. If the card is trimmed, if the guy is getting bit, if the card is counterfeit, if the card was stolen, then yeah, I think there's a place in this hobby to let your other fellow collectors know. But if somebody wants to buy a $200 Zion Williamson, who the hell am I to be like, no, don't buy that? To me, it just doesn't make any sense. Now it happens, uh, you know, all in the car community. I know in the gun community, it's like, oh, I want to buy a, I want to buy a Glock 17, and you know, you'll have ten people be like, no, 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 buy a, buy a HK or buy a Smith and Wesson, or you should buy this or you should buy that. No, fuck that. If you want a Glock 17, go buy a Glock 17, shoot it for a while. If it, do, if it doesn't work out for you, if it's not not something you like. My advice would be just put it in the safe for another day. But if not, you can sell that thing and go buy what you really want. And it's actually through that trial and error process that you find out what you really want. People do that all the time, they buy a set of golf clubs. They hit them for a season and then they realize, you know what? I need ones with stiff shaft, or I need ones with this kind of grooves or I need graphite shafts or I need, you know, I need what Tiger Woods is playing or whatever. Let people do what they need to do, what they want to do. Let them figure out what kind of collector they want to be. And look, this time last year, what could you have bought a a a Luca Doncic card for? How much are they selling for now? What could you have bought a Trey Young card for? What are they selling for now? You know, three, four, five years ago, what could you bought a Steph Curry for? What are they selling for now? Prices go up, prices go down. Let people figure that out on their own. Here's the here's the beauty. This was put out on Twitter. Some guy said, Gary Vee doesn't know about the players that he's hyping. Which to me, mildly laughable. Uh, in part because I'm pretty sure Gary Vee, uh, he has like Gary Vaynerchuk sports or something. Where he literally represents athletes. Like, he literally represents athletes. And I've seen Gary Vee rub elbows with athletes way more, way more than any goofball on Twitter, period. So this guy's actually like literally rubbing elbows, texting, having athletes as paid clients of his. And you're telling me he doesn't know these athletes. I mean, that's a fucking joke. But But besides that, Besides that, analyzing someone's fastball, analyzing someone's golf swing, analyzing somebody's 40-yard dash, analyzing someone's baseball swing has absolutely nothing to do with their card values, period. Tim Tebow cards. Guys ever had a problem selling a Tim Tebow card? I sure haven't. When's the last time Tim Tebow played an NFL game? When's the, I know now he's playing baseball. When's the last time Tim Tebow's hit a home run in a major league baseball game? Guys ever have a problem selling a Tim Tebow card? Is Tim Tebow ever going to sniff the Hall of Fame? Or sniff being considered a great player in either football or NFL? Or, uh, NFL football, I should say he was a great player in college. Is he going to be a great player in the major leagues or in the NFL anytime soon? I don't have any problem selling his cards. Is his throwing motion in football perfect? Is his baseball swing perfect? Is his fielding technique any good? I don't know. I just know people buy his damn cards. That's all I know. There's a laundry list. Of players that have had exceptional careers, Hall of Fame careers, and nobody gives a damn about their cards. Rolando Blackman, uh, you know, there's tons and tons and tons of players. There's tons of players that used to draw the attention. Albert Pujols probably comes to mind uh, right off the top of my head was the absolute golden boy of the hobby when we first started this podcast 12 years ago. I don't see anybody really getting excited about Albert Pujols cards anymore. And he's hit 500 home runs and has like 3000 hits. Guy had an incredible incredible career. Adrian Beltre, just the list goes on and on and on and on and on. The value of trading cards is Economics 101, it is based on supply versus demand. And demand doesn't mean you've got to analyze these guys' swing and their jump shot and their step back jumper and this, that, and the other. It has nothing to do with that. And every sport is a little bit different. Baseball is probably a little bit more stat-driven than the other sports. Football is probably more excitement, it, you know what type of player you are? Based a little bit on winning. And basketball's probably a mix of both. A little bit what style of play that you you, you play? Is it a compelling uh, you know style of basketball that, that you play? And, and then maybe winning, and and, and acro- obviously across all sports, staying healthy and staying relevant and things like that. But you don't need to know about sports. You don't need to analyze these guys' stats. You don't need to bust out the baseball prospect top 100 list. You don't need to go to spring training and be scouting and, and keeping score on your, on your notepad to figure out who's going to be a popular player and whose cards are going to be going up. And to say Gary Vee doesn't know about athletes when part of his company actually has athletes as clients is absolutely ludicrous. I've also seen him, uh, I think, have season tickets to the New York Jets. So this guy actually goes to the game, which I can't say about a lot of people listening to this show. Do you guys actually even go to the games? Do you guys even watch the games? How many, you guys, how many Zion Williamson basketball games have you watched? How many John Morant games have you actually watched on TV? Do you even have league pass? Do you even watch the games? A lot of people don't. But I don't think that disqualifies you from necessarily uh, knowing what cards are going to be going up. Or going down. I think it has nothing to do with that, in fact. I am constantly buying baseball players uh, that I don't know who the hell they are. I don't care who they are. I just look at kind of supply and demand and just know that demand, when this player gets called up, at least for a brief period of time, will probably outpace supply. And that's when you have price increases. Especially true in baseball. What I found is on Check on My Cards especially, you know, the Bowman Chrome rookies will come out two, three, even four years before, and sometimes longer than that, come out before that guy really breaks through into the majors. And by the time that player makes it to the majors, the supply on Check on My Cards is often rather low. I was looking the other day, Gavin Lux cards. I have a couple of them. And I think he has less than a dozen to two dozen of those cards for sale right now. If he comes up and he starts hitting home runs, guess what's going to happen? The same thing happened to Juan Soto prices. I had some Juan Soto cards. He only had maybe ten or twelve of them. I'm checking my cards. All of a sudden, he gets called up. The price shoots up. I I don't I wouldn't know Juan Soto walking down the street uh, than than any other player or athlete walking down the street. But what I can see is supply versus demand. Focus on that. If you want to analyze fastballs and step-back jumpers and three-point shots, go ahead. But economics 101 applies to trading cards and it's supply versus demand, not knowing what players are really going to do anything. And finally... Gary Vee is simply only hyping cards that he is trying to sell. And look, maybe that's true. I don't know if there's a lot of evidence that he's selling these cards. I don't know if there's a lot of evidence that uh, that's strictly what he's doing. But last time I checked, guys, it is absolutely above board to buy a card Hype it, and then sell it. We have guys buying cards, trimming them, getting them graded, and then shill bidding you, and I don't hear a word about that. How many sports card podcasts and blogs out there actually told you about that? Told you about people that were buying cards Altering them, not telling you about that, not telling PSA about that, getting them graded, and then shill bidding you when the card was relisted. That will have the FBI knocking on your door saying, Hey, I bought 400 uh, Giannis cards and I think they'll go up. There's nothing wrong with that. And do, how many of you guys are buying cards thinking that they'll go down? Like, you know, how many people buy homes these days thinking, oh, yeah, I think this home will go down in value? Okay, it's not a car, okay? A car you, like, need, okay? You don't necessarily need, like, depending on where you live and what what situation you're in. But a lot of people need a car. Okay, They need a car to get to work. They need a car to put their kids in to get them to school or or wherever they need to go. They need a truck to do their job and pick up lumber and pick up uh, stuff to take to a job site. So there's a reason why you buy a car and you expect it to go down in value. But I don't think a lot of people buy trading cards thinking, "Oh yeah, I'm going to pay three dollars now, and next week I, I could buy it for a dollar." But uh, uh, you know, I'm just going to buy now for three. So yes, people buy cards, they hype them, they hoard them, whatever they want to do, and the value goes up. That's not your fault. That's not anybody's fault. Happens everywhere. Happens in the stock market every single freaking day. Now, are there SEC rules about disclosures and things like that? Yeah, but people don't care. Every other day, it's oh, Bank of America thinks you should sell this and buy this, and Morgan Stanley thinks you should buy this and sell this. And a lot of people like me are really cynical. When Bank of America is telling me to sell, I'm thinking, wow, they must, you know, they must be looking to buy. Or if they're saying, "Hey, it's a buy," oh, they probably have a big client that's trying to off a bunch of shares, and so they're trying to create some demand for it. So there's nothing wrong with being cynical about what Gary Vee is doing. Saying, "Oh, he's you know he's trying to trying to say you know Giannis is, is going to be good, so he can sell sell you know 200 of his cards." Look, there's nothing wrong with that. I got no problem with that. I don't think it necessarily hurts the hobby. It's certainly not my job to be in there telling people that, hey, those Giannis cards might go down. Again, I don't have a perfect record on this show predicting where this card's going to go, where this is going to go, where this is going to go. I don't. It's probably far from perfect. And I don't think anybody out there especially these guys that are fairly new to the hobby, fairly new to kind of, uh, you know, getting maybe back into the game or so or getting into the game for the first time. They certainly have no clue, no clue what a good price is, what a high price or a low price is on any of these cards. And look, hey, if you can buy a card and have some influence to drive the price up on it, I don't have any problem with that. Maybe the card was undervalued to begin with. How do we know that? How do we not know that Giannis cards or Bellinger cards or any of these cards aren't just undervalued to begin with? Maybe the entire hobby is undervalued. How do we not know that? The same thing happens all the time, all the time in the stock market. People acquire stock, acquire it, acquire it, acquire it, buy some options in it, whatever they want to do, and then all of a sudden they start writing positive articles about the company, start putting out positive press releases, start doing whatever they can to draw other investors in. I certainly do it myself. Many, many times I've I've looked into a stock, spent maybe a month or two looking into it, analyzing everything and saying, you know what, I think this is a good deal. I don't see it as much anymore, uh, although we've had some, some nice gyrations in the market that's created some buying opportunities in the last uh, three or four weeks now. But, um, you know, I, I'm thinking three, four, five years ago, kind of before all this, before it really, really took off and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I loved researching kind of smaller, unfollowed stocks, buying as many shares as I possibly can. We're not talking about market-moving type of uh, purchases, but for me, it's a significant amount of money. And then I would go on one of the most viewed uh, investor sites and write an article about how I think, you know, this is why I bought the stock. This is why I think it's going to go up. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Happens every single day. It's only people that are amateurs, that are not very intelligent, I think is a way you could also say it, that are worried about pump and dumps and worried about being someone else's mom, someone else's policeman, someone else's uh, guardian when they don't really need it. Now, should we have discussions about fraud, shill bidding, card trimming? Fake cards, altered cards, counterfeit cards, cards like Luca's cards that, that are clearly not signed by him. Clearly, clear as day, that a lot of his Panini cards are not signed by him. Should we have discussions about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there, you're not, I don't think you're getting what you're paying for, okay? If the card's been trimmed, if the card's been wiped, or the, you know... The card, the fingerprint's been taken off of it. If it, you know, they, they fake the, they swap the patch out. Okay, that happens a lot of times too. Should we talk about that? Should we let collectors know? 100%. Should collectors know that, hey, you go to Target, don't be expecting a hit or, or nice cards out of those 299 packs because they've been searched. Should we let people know about that? Absolutely. Should we be guardians over other people in this hobby that look at people like Gary Vee or anybody else in this hobby that promote a certain card or a set or, or an era of cards and people start buying them? Should we try to protect those people from spending that money? I don't think so. I don't see the reason to do that because you might be wrong. There's, again, cer- certainly been times on this show In every sport, basketball, football, and baseball, where I've said, "Mm, I kind of like this guy, or "Mm, I, I don't like this guy, and the opposite has happened. So I wouldn't be running out to do that myself. And anybody that is doing that deserves to be called out as well. So hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. Hopefully you enjoyed this show. To recap, you know, we've got all these new sets coming out and if you got to have it, you got to need it, you know, I would uh, I would figure out a way to feed that desire in another way instead of running out and buying this stuff. Um, if you're worried about price, if you're worried about how much you're spending, worried, you know, if you want to run out and buy this stuff, by all means, pay for a a box of optic or whatever they sell for pay $200 for uh, a Zion prism card. I I really don't have a problem with that. If you're on a tighter budget, if you want your dollar to go a little bit further, I would encourage you just to wait a little bit, wait for supply to kind of catch up with demand. When sets come out, obviously there's kind of a lot of demand for them. Uh, It's hot new set and there's cool cards that are coming out there. Um, There's nothing wrong with waiting a little bit, waiting to kind of see where things settle. Maybe you miss it. Maybe Zion cards when they first came out were 150. Now they're 200. I don't. I don't know. Maybe the opposite happened. Maybe they were 250. Now they're 200. I really don't know. But uh, there's never any there's never any harm in waiting if if you're concerned about getting the best deal possible. When we're talking about Zion Prisms and we're talking about kind of the, the key cards in a set, you know, I think arguments can be made both ways. If we're talking about just the base set of Heritage Baseball or just some of the SPs or some of the cards that come out of there, I think 100% you can look at the cards on eBay, watch them, follow them, pick up a card here or two, um, but you can definitely wait until supply starts to catch up with demand a little bit and that kind of starts leveling out and you can save a little bit of money uh that way or you can be um you know kind of a year behind or six months behind all this stuff there's so many sets that come out i I don't see any reason why um you necessarily be out there chasing uh, the hot stuff and again unless that's really what you truly enjoy if you love when a new set comes out to get on there and get your favorite player or get a pack or a box. Again, got no problem with it. If you want to stretch your dollar, stretch your, you know, potentially stretch your dollar, stretch how much you can buy. Uh, I, I actually think there's probably some advantages in kind of waiting a little bit, waiting to kind of see how things play out. There's always another set, there's a next set, next rookie, next rookie class, and things like that. So you got time. Be a seller. In this hot market, okay, if it's hot and you're worried about Gary Vee pumping this guy or this guy, or it's getting too hot and there's gonna be a crash or something, um, you know, if you could predict when a market was gonna crash, you'd be a multi billionaire, okay? If you could have predicted when houses were gonna crash or stocks were gonna crash or when any kind of market was gonna crash, You could probably be a billionaire, but there's a reason why very, 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 very few people actually do that and pull that off because it's very, very, very difficult to do, and oftentimes you have to take a tremendous amount of risk. If you ever seen or read, I strongly recommend reading uh, the book, The Big Short. There's also a movie which is Okay, I really think you should read the book. The book's an easy read. So read the book first, then watch the movie. Um, those guys, they basically like predicted the housing uh, crisis and kind of exacerbated the pain uh, that the banks felt because they made these massive bets against the housing market, and they were right, but these guys were in pain, pain, pain. They were right. They knew they were going to be right. But they were just in so much pain until the market actually turned in the direction they thought it was. Same thing could happen with sports cards. You could be in a lot of pain thinking this card's going to go up or this card's going to go down. And it t- the market could out- outlast you a little bit longer. It could take long, you know, a longer period of time than you think for that market to kind of turn around. Or maybe it never does. But in general, I think being a seller in this market, trying to predict tops and bottoms, you know, I'll let somebody that's a little bit smarter than me try to figure that out. But in general, when things are hot, you probably want to be a seller. And in general, when things have cooled down a little bit, uh, being a buyer might not be a, a terrible, terrible idea. Although you really do have to pick your spots here in trading cards because they're all a little bit different. Every sport, every, uh, every season, every rookie class, every set, is a little bit different, but in general, I think being a seller at this point in time is a great idea, Um, and I think it's easier for people like me, who's got, I probably got like 12, 13, 14, 15,000 cards on check on my cards right now, it's easy for me to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to sit back and be a seller, because I've already got all these damn cards, um, and some of them are going up, and so, and I've got cards sitting I probably have a few thousand dollars worth of cards sitting around my house as well, uh, mainly, in unopened boxes. It's easy for me to sit around and be like, "Ah, yeah, you know, I got I got my cards. I think a lot of this stuff, uh, you know, towards Gary Vee is coming from guys that don't have their fill, that kind of have that FOMO or fear of missing out. Uh, They've missed out buying cards over the last year, two years, three years, five years, six years, 10 years. They haven't been in the game. Now, all of a sudden, this shit is hot, and they're s- sitting around with three blaster boxes that they got from Target, and that's about it. They don't have tens of thousands of cards. They don't have a bunch of money to kind of uh, throw at this if they need to. They're just kind of starting out again or starting to build up their collection. If you find that, y- yourself in that situation, just enjoy the ride. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. If you're like me and you you've been in this for, for, you know, a few decades now, basically. And you got a bunch of cards. And you have a relationship with distributors. You can get cards and things like that. Well, you should be a seller. You should be a seller. Pack searching. Do not, do not get in any kind of altercation with a pack searcher. Guys, it's a 299 pack. Imagine having a funeral or getting seriously injured. Having to go home and look at your kids and be like, "Yeah, I went to Target and I got in a guy's face about feeling up a 299 pack and he punched me in my face and my jaw is broken now." Like you'd have to type it out on one of those computers that speak for you. Or worse, the guy has a gun on him or a knife. And he goes nuts on you. We've certainly seen people go nuts for much, 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 much less. I mean, there's a lot of random crime. Guys will go to a damn school and shoot up little children. Let alone if you get in the guy's face. It's stupid. Stop. It's a $2 pack of cards that if a kid opened, wouldn't care at all. If the cards were bent... Or if there wasn't a hit in there. And if you care if the cards are bent. If you care if there's hits in there or not. Stop buying retail packs. Stop. That's why there's hobby packs. That's why there are reputable dealers. Both online and at stores. There, there's not just a few of them. There's quite a few. And if you want baseball packs, sportscardshow at gmail.com, at sportscardradio. Guys, guess what? I get a box of just about every tops product. If you want a pack or two, I can sell you some. Okay? Promise you I won't be feeling them up or weighing them. In fact, the, the product that I have sold to people, they, they've pulled some nice cards. I thought somebody pulled like a $400 Pete Alonzo card out of the last boxes I've sold to them. I think I saw some, I think I saw, I think I sold, I don't know this for a fact, but I think I sold a Topps Chrome baseball box to Mojo Break and there was like a Vlad Jr. and somebody, one of the other top rookies in there. It was like $500 worth of cards in a box, okay? There's a reason why there's hobby packs and retail packs. If you're worried about the cards being bent, worried about the hits being missing, stop buying retail packs. Do not, do not, do not get in an altercation with somebody at a store where only, the outcome can only be bad. There is no good outcome to getting in somebody's face. Or confronting somebody about searching a pack of cards. There is no good outcome. Period. Finally, we've got some exciting things on the docket. We've got, obviously, the NFL draft. And, and you know, I wouldn't say shortly after that. It's a few months uh, till we have to wait around for football season. But you've got the NBA playoffs coming. And, obviously, we have baseball season. I know a lot of people are bummed out. About the cheating and the buzzers and things like that i really don't care i just want to turn on the game at 7 seven thirty, and watch a few innings and go to sleep and then wake up in the morning and see what happened in the game on google so hopefully you guys are doing well out there we'll be back again some other time some other place on the sports card show program but until then we are out of here